0: Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message.
1: We are in week number three of this series called "Bless," a series all about generosity, and I'm so excited because one of my very best friends in the world, Pastor Chris Van Buskirk, is here to communicate to you. And Pastor Chris and his wife, Kristen, they pastor an amazing church in Chillicothe, Ohio. Uh, I said that right? Correct? Okay, Chillicothe. Uh, how many of you know where Chillicothe is? Look at that! Look at that! Represent Chillicothe, an amazing church called Center Point Church. And they've been a church for 10 years. And Pastor Chris and his wife, they, they pioneered and planted that church 10 years ago. And we are a part of a network of churches called ARC, Association of Related Churches, that are really passionate about planting life-giving churches all around our country. And we are ARC Plant 782. And, um, and Pastor Chris is actually, they planted the very first ARC church in all of Ohio. And so he really is the Godfather of all Ark here in Ohio. And you know what, I, I didn't say this last service, but one thing that I was praying about this morning, I started thinking about this, Pastor Chris, is that I kept thinking about this quote and it's from Sir Isaac Newton. Maybe you've heard this quote and I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about this. I felt like God put this quote in my heart that if I've seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. And I just thank you for being a giant in our state, that you pioneered and paved the way for churches like us to be able to come in and plant life-giving churches. And this man has been so supportive of me and us, literally from the time he heard about our church, I don't know of anybody that's encouraged me more, supported us, financially helped make this thing happen. And so church, I'm so excited to have him come and literally preach like he's fighting bees with honey on his chest. I'm telling you, it's gonna be good. People are like, what are you talking about? I don't know, but you need to come and preach. So stand to your feet, clap your hands, and let's walk in Pastor Chris Van Buskert.
0: Come on, give Jesus your best praise this morning. Come on, you can do better than that. I, I like that bees on chest thing. I don't know. A little confession, I also love it when he calls me the Godfather. I just, he introduces me that way to people. And uh, I just love it. I-, I love your church. My wife, Kristen, and I um, circled this date long ago when Pastor Brian asked if I would come and share. This is one of uh, the most the most thrilling places that I've gotten the chance to be all year, and I honor you, Pastor Brian and Heather and this amazing team and this incredible church that you're building here in the Queen City. Um, I got to tell you all this. I-, I need to make sure that you know this because you're in the middle of a miracle and this is not normal. And I think sometimes when you're in the middle of a miracle, you kind of just get used to it and you think that it's what's happening everywhere. What is happening at Queen City Church is not happening everywhere. People meeting Jesus every week at a church is not normal. People signing up to get baptized in November, come on somebody, that's not normal. And so I want you, before you get too comfortable, to stand up on your feet and put your hands together for Pastor Brian and Heather and this amazing team and what God has called them to. Do in this city. We love y'all. We honor you all. And listen to me the best is still in front of you. You're just scratching. 62 and 0, right? After today. 62 and 0. Come on, love on them for a minute. They are special people. And I want you to know something that, that, that Kristen and I have realized about Pastor Brian and Heather is this, they have an uncommon love for a city that they were called to. God calls people to, to different cities and I, and I want you all to know this, I don't know that we've ever been around a couple that has a higher supernatural love for a city that they didn't really know much about before they got called to this city. And so you guys are special, you're doing something great. And Queen City, we're believing that the best days are still in front Come on, does anybody believe that in the house this morning? So I I, I did come um, with my wife. Come on, wave at everybody, babe. This is Kristen. She is my my better half, my boo, my soulmate for life. And we've got three kids at home. We've got a family picture for you today. This is the the filtered highlight, real version of us. Just remember that there's always an unfiltered part of the game film at home that shows all the flaws and, and all the imperfections. But this is us looking real good. We call ourselves Team Van B. We've got our oldest daughter, Aubrey. And her younger brother, who is taller than her, and he reminds her of that often, Owen standing right beside her. And then the cute one down there at the bottom, that's Levi. Now, uh, I'm, just, I'm just excited to be here, and I do have a word that I wanna share with you. I love this series that you're in, and I don't wanna spend too much time uh, getting where I'm going today. So you're in this series called Blessed, and this is a series about generosity and what it really looks like to be blessed. Because there are all kinds of thoughts, there are all kinds of theories, there's all kinds of theology out there on what it really looks like to have God's blessing on your life. And, and I just want you to know that I'm grateful for your pastor one year into this whole thing who would go there with his church. The truth is it, it took me a couple of years to go there with my church because there's a lot of baggage that comes when you have this conversation on generosity and on giving and on being blessed because there's there's all this stuff out there that many of you carry in here today, all this weight of things you've heard other people share of the TV preachers that you've heard talking about giving and, and being blessed and you struggle with it, you wrestle with it. And I love that you have a pastor who will preach the truth to you, who will tell you what God. word actually says. Imagine that going back to the book and saying, what does God's word actually say about being blessed? And hopefully you're picking up on this theme that's being presented in the series that over and over again, when you read God's word, you begin to understand that generosity and giving has never and will never be about what God wants from you. Come on, somebody, it's what God wants for you. And so I just want to preach to you today from that perspective. I was raised a charismatic Pentecostal, and so that means I am going to get my preach on today. That's what I think you meant, Pastor Brian, when you said fighting bees off of my chest. I think that might be what you meant. And so I'm going to do some of that today. And and I want to do this a little different than than maybe I would would do this some weeks when I'm preaching. Oftentimes, I like to give the content and read the scripture first and then build in some context. Today, I want to flip that and I want to give you some context before we get to the content. So if you've got your Bibles, tablets, and smartphones, I want you to go ahead and get yourselves to 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to start with verse 32, and you can go ahead and get there, but I'm going to set up the text, because there's a lot that happens, verse one through verse 32, and I want to tell you what's unfolding in this story. This is a story about a prophet of God, about a king, about a false god, about water, about fire. It's actually a story in the Bible that has big budget Hollywood movie all over it. I read this story and I often think to myself somebody with like a Lord of the Rings Peter Jackson kind of budget needs to get a hold of this text and turn it into a movie because it might be one of the best. Bible-based movies you've ever seen in your life. There's all kinds of stuff going on in in this story. And I need you to understand that the story centers around this prophet by the name of Elijah. Sometimes we're guilty of throwing out church terms without explaining what those terms mean. And so I wanna make sure you understand what a prophet is and and what a prophet was. A prophet is a man or woman of God who proclaims the truth even when people aren't sure if they wanna hear the truth. It's an important detail because Elijah has decided it is his life's mission. It is his calling from God. He has been set apart for this time in this season to proclaim a truth that people aren't even sure they wanna hear. So I know that some of y'all come into Queen City Church this morning and we're talking about giving and we're talking about generosity. And you're here, even though this series might be challenging you, it might be pushing you a little bit. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I really wanna hear this today, but here's what all of us have in common. I know that you need the truth in your life because I know all of us wanna find freedom and God's word tells us that the truth is gonna set us free. And so Elijah is a man of God, a prophet called by God set apart and he's speaking the truth knowing that even if people think they might not wanna hear it, they need to hear it because the truth is in fact going to set them free. And so he's proclaiming the truth and he's teaching the truth and he's preaching the truth to a group of people that have lost focus on the one true God. There is a kingdom and a, and a civilization and a group of people that have forgotten who gave them their blessing. And instead of serving the one true God, they are now serving this false God instituted by the king and by his wife and, and by their team. It's a prophet, it's a, it's a, it's a God of Baal. And there's 450 prophets to go against the one prophet of the one true God that's speaking and proclaiming the truth. There's basically been this edict and this decree that's gone out that there will be no one talking about this one true God anymore because as a kingdom, they are going to serve this false God by the name of Baal. And they have a whole ensemble of people that have made it their life mission to preach and teach about a God that won't hear them and a God that won't respond to them. And and so Elijah keeps sending messengers back to the people and he keeps writing and proclaiming the truth of God's word. And he's actually taken a group of prophets and he's hidden them away because he knows that if he doesn't hide them, they're, they're gonna be killed. They're gonna be martyred for their faith. And he feels like he's in a season where God has called him not just to preach the truth, but to hide the other people who have been called to preach the truth. And there's, there's a lot going on in, in the kingdom at this time. There's a famine and there's a drought and everybody wants to know how it's gonna end. They're running out of water. They're running out of livestock. They're running out of resources that they need to go about their everyday life. And, and God gives Elijah a word. And he uses this messenger, this mediator, if you will, a man by the name of Obadiah to facilitate this conversation between Elijah and King Ahab. And basically Elijah throws down a challenge to King Ahab. He said, here's the deal, there's a famine, there's a drought, and I serve the God who can break the famine and who can break the drought. But your people continue to serve this false God by the name of Baal, And so I want to throw down a challenge. You get all 450 prophets of Baal to stand on top of a mountain and go against me. And here's our goal. We're gonna create an altar and we're gonna put a sacrifice on top of that altar. And whichever God sends fire down from heaven first, we will know is the one true God. Elijah's talking a big game. He's talking smack. The truth is, what Elijah is doing in this moment is setting the stage for God to do a miracle that only he could do. I've got news for you, Queen City Church. If you're living a life where it only takes you, then you're missing out on the supernatural life God has for you because God has something so big in front of you that you cannot and will not be able to accomplish it by yourself. You need God to do what he's put in front of you. In this moment, Elijah needs God to come through. So the king accepts the challenge. And on this day, the Bible tells us that about dawn, we'll call it 6 a.m. in the morning, they stand on top of this mountain, and the prophets of Baal go first. They start chanting. They start praying after preparing this altar, after preparing this sacrifice, and nothing happens hour after hour after hour until the Bible tells us it's about midday. So let's call it noon. They've gone from breakfast at 6 a.m. to lunch at about 12 p.m. and nothing is happening. And people are getting tired and the prophets are getting frustrated and they're beginning to realize that they are speaking to a God who is not talking back to them. And Elijah's sitting on the sidelines, just talking all kinds of smack. I mean, he is talking smack like Drake was talking smack to Steph Curry and the Warriors during the NBA finals. That's what he's doing. He's just, he's laughing at him. Y'all look silly up there. What are you doing? Your God's not talking back. I told y'all that this wasn't going to work. I told y'all that you were serving the wrong God. So whenever you're done, I will take my turn. And, and, and after this anger and this frustration that doesn't just turn the volume up of the prophets of Baal calling out to this false God. They they start harming themselves. They start cutting themselves. They, They start thinking that maybe if they take more extreme measures, this false God will talk back to them and he never does. And so they give Elijah his turn. And then Elijah stands up and he takes his turn. And that's where we're gonna pick up with the story in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 32. It says, Elijah took 12 stones and constructed an altar in honor of the eternal one and carved a ditch out around it large enough to hold 13 quarts of seed. He set up the wood, chopped up the bowl and placed it on top of the wood. And Elijah said to the people, go get four big jars. That's important, you need to remember that. And fill them all up with water. Then pour the water out over the burnt offering in the wood. Now do the same thing again. And so they did it a second time. And Elijah then said, all right, now do the same thing a third time. And so they did it a third time. Verse 35, the water covered the altar and even filled up the ditch. When it was time for the offering and the evening sacrifice, Elijah called out to the eternal. And he said this, eternal one, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, reveal yourself on this day as Israel's God. Make it known that I serve you and have done all of this because you commanded it of me. Answer me. Everybody say, answer me. Answer me, eternal one. Reveal yourself so that everyone here will know that you, eternal one, are the true God, the only God. Do it so that everyone knows you are turning the gaze of their hearts back to you again. Verse 38, right then, the eternal one's fire landed upon the altar. The flames consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the ground. The flames even drank up all the water in the ditch. When everyone witnessed this extraordinary power, they all put their faces to the ground in fear and awe and wonder. I've entitled this sermon today, Out of Water. I want you to look at your neighbor real quick and ask him, say, are you out of water? I feel like I need to to set the stage for this conversation today. I feel like there are some things that if you've been coming to Queen City Church for a while, you need reminded of. I feel like if you're, if you're new, you might as well just know what this place is all about. And so I need you to know a few things about this church. I need you to know that we believe at Queen City Church in a God that still keeps his promises. I need you to know that about this house. I need you to know that, that at Queen City Church, we believe in a God that still does miracles. And I need you to know that at Queen City Church, we believe generosity paves the way for God to do those miracles. When you give generously, you get to play a part in the miracle God wants to do. Pastor Brian has done such an amazing job teaching and talking and instructing you on what God's word has to say on this issue over the past couple of weeks. I wanna encourage you if you missed any of those weeks to go back and to listen. It's gonna open your heart and your mind to hear God's view on this topic. And it's gonna give you freedom as you expose yourself to that truth that you ever only dreamed about. But here's our challenge. Many of us as a church, many of us as a people, we want a miracle in our life, but are we willing to play our part in getting the miracle that we're asking God to do on our behalf. Some of us in this room have gotten really good at praying about it, but we're really bad at doing something about it. God, God tells us that he's a supernatural God and he is always gonna play his part, but he expects me to play my part as well. That's why I need to make sure that you understand as we have this conversation on generosity and on giving and on miracles, I need you to remember that miracles require steps. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write that down. Miracles require steps. See in 1 Kings 18, 1, the very beginning of the story, God is talking to Elijah and he says, go now. Everybody say, go now and reveal yourself to Ahab. When you do, I will bring rain on the earth. Maybe you missed the detail I shared with you earlier. This is a king, him and his wife want to kill the prophets that are left of the one true God. Elijah being the first one that they would like to take out. And God says, hey Elijah, I'm gonna bring about a miracle. You're in a drought, you're in a famine, People are praying for rain, but they're praying to the wrong God. So here's what I need you to do, Elijah. I need you to go to the king that wants to kill you. I need you to come out of hiding. I need you to throw down a challenge and I'm gonna do something in the middle of that to give you your miracle, but miracles require a step. So I need you to first take a step. God wants you to take a step today at Queen City Church. God wants you to take a step today in this season. One of the things Pastor Brian preached last week, as he so wonderfully explained biblical tithing, what is a tithe? A tithe is a tenth. It means we give the first 10% of our income to God through the local church. And the concept that we see in scripture is very simple. It's this idea that I give God my first and my best, that first 10%, and I trust that he is in fact going to bless the rest when I give him my first and my best. The problem is many of us are giving God what's left instead of giving him our first and our best. One of the steps God might call many of you to take in this season with generosity is to make your priority towards giving the first thing you do at the beginning of every month instead of the last thing you do at the beginning of every month. In this text, God is asking Elijah, Elijah, I know there are 20 other things you'd like to put in front of this right now. I know there are all other kind of ways you could find purpose in this season right now. I know you'd love to stay in hiding and you'd love to keep everybody safe, but, but there's a miracle I wanna do and it's gonna require you to take a step. One of the lies that the enemy will use is he will convince you that because you can't start there, you shouldn't start anywhere. Let me explain what I mean by that. In other words, when you have your mind and your heart and your eyes open to this concept of giving God your first and your best, that first 10%, some of you rule yourselves out. You let the devil lie to you and convince you that, well, I've made some really bad decisions and my finances are a mess and so I can't start with 10%. And the devil wins if you refuse to start anywhere because you can't start there. Just start somewhere and let God grow your heart, let him grow your capacity and begin trusting him with your generosity. You have to start somewhere. And the truth about steps and faith and following Jesus is that if you're going to follow your calling, you're gonna to have to give up some of your comforts. That means that in a world that constantly tells us it's about me, And it's about what I want and it's about my dream and it's about my vision. I have to die to myself on the daily. Giving and generosity is one of the ways I'm able to do that and and remind myself that I'm gonna give up some of my comfort for a higher calling that God has placed on my life. When God finds a group of people that will give up their comfort for a higher calling, he does a miracle that only he could do in them and through them. And God blesses forward motion, Queen City Church. God is not interested in you going back to the way things were before. He's not pointing to something that's behind you. He sees what's in front of you, and He's simply asking you to take a step forward, trusting that He will be with you everywhere you go. My word tells me that my God will never leave me or forsake me. So miracles require steps. But I wanna make sure I'm not selling you a false gospel. Because I also need you to know that those steps he calls you to take, they're going to require sacrifice. There's, there's going to be a weight to those steps. It goes back to this constant choice we have to make between our calling and our comfort. because sacrifice is not always comfortable. It's not always what, what I want to do, but it's what God is most often calling me to do. You can. You can put your faith on cruise control if you want. You can get on the highway of life and faith and you can hit cruise and you can just head forward and and, and you can choose to just stay on that path and God will still love you and you're still on your way to heaven and, and he's still gonna take care of you, but you will never experience the fullness and the richness of his glory and blessing in your life unless you're willing to lay down some of your comfort for a higher calling and step into sacrifice. Because along that journey of life and faith, God's gonna call you to get off the exit ramp sometimes. He's gonna call you to move into a season of detour that you didn't see coming. And you could keep going the way that you were going, or you can go the way God is calling you to go. And my friend, his blessing lies in his plan, not your plan, his way, not my way. Can I get a good amen this morning? We have to step into that reality as a people. There's a sacrifice that comes with my steps." Maybe, maybe you're wondering where the sacrifice was in the text. Maybe we read it and you, you just missed it. But it's in verse 33, when Elijah gets his turn and he stands up in front of the people after building this altar, putting the sacrifice on the altar, and he looks at the people and says, "'Go get four big jars and fill them all up with water, "'then pour the water out over the burnt offering "'in the wood.'" They're in the middle of a drought and a famine. Where did they get the water? I can tell you where they didn't get the water. When you understand the geography of this mountain and its location and its proximity, the closest body of water most theologians and scholars believe was over a half day's walk there and back. They don't have that kind of time. Elijah has taken a step of faith and now he's looking at the people that have been praying for rain, that want the drought to end, and he says, here's your part, I need to know if you're willing to make a sacrifice along this journey. So I need you to take what little bit of water you brought with you today, because they've traveled for miles, they've traveled for hours, they, they, they came in the night before getting ready for this event that they've heard about, and most of them in a season where there's not enough water and there's not enough food, they've brought just enough for them and their team and their crew and their tribe. And now this crazy person who's supposed to be a man of God is standing up and saying, I need y'all to bring me the water you don't have. Because the only way we're going to get this miracle is if you're willing to sacrifice. I don't know if you saw this in the text, but he actually takes up an offering for the water three times cause he does it the first time and he says, it's not enough, I need more. And then he goes back a second time and he looks and he says, that's not enough, I need more. And then on the third time, he finally gets enough water. Y'all ever been in a church that takes up three offerings? It's awkward. (laughs) Somebody's in the back counting and they're like, we didn't get enough to pay the bills this week. Get back out there on the stage and take up another one. Bring the band back out. We gotta do this whole thing again. He did that three times before he got the water that he needed for the miracle because there were people there that were thinking to themselves, we just can't do that. We brought just enough for us and we still have to leave after this is done. I mean, y'all know that the husbands and the wives were fighting with each other about this. The wife's leaning over to the husband like, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost is talking. He's telling me that we got to give the water. And the husband's like, man, you crazy, girl. You crazy. I knew you were crazy when I married you. There are husbands and wives arguing. Meanwhile, all the singles are like, single life, blessed life. I ain't got to talk to nobody. I get to do whatever I want to do. Amen. There's this this turmoil that they're experiencing. They're warring with themselves a little bit. Man, I don't know if we can give what the man of God is asking us to give. I I don't know if we can do that. But steps require sacrifice. And God wanted to see if the people were gonna be willing to take a step that would require sacrifice in order to get the miracle that they'd been praying for. See church, one of the ways I'm able as a follower of Jesus to sacrifice is because I remind myself over and over again that sacrifice takes faith. Sacrifice requires me to do something that I would not normally be inclined to do in and of my own strength. And I am willing to sacrifice, believing in faith that God has a greater plan at work on my behalf, that, that he is doing something and working in ways that I cannot see and I trust him with the process. So there's all these people. They trusted God. And you read the story and you think the end is when the fire comes from heaven because that's really cool, right? God puts on a fireworks show. And it tells us right in the text that people bow down Man, we've been serving the wrong God. Who are these crazy prophets of Baal? Why have we been doing this? We've lost our way. And they bow their knee to the one true God. But rain still hasn't started falling yet. Fire comes down from heaven. It consumes the offering. It consumes the altar. It consumes the rock and the ground around it. And that's amazing, but now everybody's headed home. And the famine's still on. The rain's not fallen. The drought's still active. And I wonder what it must have been like on the way home to be the people that gave the little bit of water that they had. I mean, that was great. God sent fire down from heaven. That's really good. But I thought we were going to get some rain. And now we're headed home without water. And the husbands or wife are back at it again. I told you we shouldn't have given the water because now we got nothing to get home. Who needed fire? We needed what? We don't need anything that's gonna make stuff more dry. We need rain right now. What was this whole fire thing about anyway? The questions that must have been filling their mind because the second that you take a step in faith, the devil will make you think God's not doing what you wanted him to do. You gave everything you had left and you're not blessed. He's not taking care of you. There's nothing happening. And here's Elijah standing on top of the mountain thinking to himself, all right, I know that God called me to take this step. I know my steps are order of the Lord. I know that the people sacrificed. And so now I need to remind myself that sacrifice takes faith. And so Elijah's got this servant. And while everybody else is headed down the mountain, everybody else is headed home. Elijah and his servant are on the top of the mountain. And in verse 41 of 1 Kings 18, Elijah looks at his servant and says, go now and look in the direction of the sea. Don't miss the significance that this whole story started in First Kings 18 1 Kings 18:1 with the commandment from God to go now. Do y'all see this? And then at the end of the story in verse 41, Elijah is now relaying those same instructions to his servant. Go now, forward motion, movement. I have to move into a new area. I have to step into what's in front of me, not into what's behind me. He says, go now and look in the direction of the sea. And the servant returning to Elijah says, I did as you asked, and there's nothing in the direction of the sea. And so Elijah gave him the same instruction seven times. Go back and look in the direction of the sea. Seven times. Go back and look in the direction of the sea. Go back and look in the direction of the sea. Go back and look in the direction of the sea. Go back and look in the direction of the sea. Y'all getting annoyed yet? So was he. As a matter of fact, I like to think that between like the fifth and sixth time Elijah's telling him to go back, he's pulling out his iPhone, checking out monster.com, looking for a new job. This brother is crazy. I've been serving him for a hot second, but I'm ready to resign as his executive assistant because he's got me doing crazy things. I don't know what else to tell him. I'm looking and every time I'm seeing nothing. The miracle's in the waiting. I said, the miracle's in the waiting. I said, the miracle's in the waiting. God's gonna do what he said he's gonna do if he said he was gonna do it, but he's also gonna do it in his time, not your time. And so Elijah sends the servant seven times and tells him the same thing. Go back and look in the direction of the sea. Verse 44, the servant did as Elijah requested each time and on the seventh time he told Elijah, a minuscule cloud as tiny as the hand of a man is ascending from the sea. This is not theologically accurate, what I'm about to say, but when I read that part of the story, I like to think that the servant might've just made the whole thing up. (laughs) Like, I can't keep doing this. And so maybe I'm going to make myself see something that's not there. And that way, if I run back and Elijah looks and he says, I can't see it, I can just be like, yeah, it's just real tiny. All right, peace, man. I got to go home. I got to, it's there. You can just wait. I saw it. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm out. Minuscule. As tiny as a man's hand, it's ascending from the sea. And Elijah, listen to what Elijah says. Go quickly and give a message to Ahab for me, the king that that wants him dead. Prepare your chariot and leave quickly before the rain gets torrential and keeps you from traveling. There's another layer of smack talk from Elijah to the king. Come on, nothing has happened yet. And he sends his servant to go tell the king, get ready and get the four-wheel drive in gear because the torrential downpour is coming. This is more next level than Drake trash-talking the warriors. So for any of you that feel inclined when you're in the middle of a competition and not talk trash because you think it's not biblical, exhibit A, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And I love how he sends the servant too. Now he's really on monster.com looking for a new job. You're sending me to tell the king and the king wants you dead. He probably gonna kill me instead. But all right, I'll do it. I'm gonna go tell him. I'm gonna go tell him that you told him to get the chariot ready and that the rain's coming. Even though that cloud, Elijah, it's really small. You sure we want, you want me to do this? Yeah, I want you to do it. Verse 45, the sky became filled with dark monstrous clouds. The wind grew wild. The heavy rain fell and Ahab traveled quickly in his chariot to Jezreel. The rain came after Elijah took a step that required faith. He predicted that God was gonna do a miracle before he'd seen the miracle happen. And it started because there was a man that said yes to going and a group of people that gave what they did not have. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I am an ordinary person. Pastor Brian is an ordinary person. The prophet Elijah was an ordinary person. But God used ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And there was a man or woman of God that put a vision in front of the people and the people stepped out and they had faith and that faith required sacrifice and they gave what they did not have. And I know the thought running through everybody's mind when Elijah was asking for the water was we have just enough. We have just enough. But together, when we all step out and give and live generously, God takes your just enough and he takes my just enough and together he makes it more than enough come on Queen City I'm talking about a God that still wants to do a miracle in the Queen City of Cincinnati, Ohio I'm talking about a God that's looking at some ordinary people in church this morning that he set and called apart to do an extraordinary thing and generosity will pave the way for the miracle when I take my just enough and I give it to God he turns it in to more than enough I think of all those things I've heard that many of you have heard as well, right? These, these stories about people that gave and, and they started tithing and, and the Mercedes showed up in their driveway. And the people that gave and they started tithing and God just opened the door for that new house, $50,000 below the listing price and you just stepped into it, and to God be the glory and the praise. I think about the people that that, that tell stories about getting the check in the mail after they gave. Listen, hear me when I tell you this, God could do that, God does do that, God might do that for you, but that should never be the reason that you give. Pastor Brian told y'all earlier, you don't give to get, you give to give. You're not blessed to hold on to that blessing, you're blessed to share that blessing. You're blessed to take what God has done in your life and in your heart and share it with others. You know, I think one of the biggest miracles God will do on your behalf as an individual as you step out faithfully and generously begin giving God your first and your best is this. It won't be the car, it won't be the house, it won't be the check that blesses you the most. It won't be any of those things, whether God does it or never does it. Here's what will blow you away. It'll blow you away when you watch God do more with your less. He'll do more with the 90% than you could have done with 100%. Because when you trust God with your first and your best, he blesses everything else you put your hand to. He makes that 90% go farther than than you could make the 100% go. That's one of the most profound miracles of generosity and giving, is that God's word works. His promises are true. And when I follow his plan instead of my plan, he does a miracle that only he could do in my life and in my heart. So I know some of you are here this morning and you think to yourself, pastor, I want to, but I'm out of water. I don't have anything left to give. I'm out of water. What I would give wouldn't make a difference. I'm out of water. I've made more wrong decisions financially than you could ever imagine. And I don't know who this word is for, but I know it's for somebody in the house today because I just want to take you back to this story. And I just want to remind you that when you're out of water, you're ready for a miracle. Come on, Queen City Church. God's looking at a group of people that'll give him that just enough and he'll turn it in to more than enough for his glory in Jesus name. Giving. Generosity. You're gonna hear this every week. It's not about your wallet, it's about your heart. That's what generosity is about. It's why God talks about it over and over again in the pages of scripture, because I believe he knows that for many of us, it'll be the last thing we trust him with. So he tells us over and over again, don't let that get in the way. It came from me in the first place. God's the one that put it in your hands. And so He's just asking you to trust Him with it. And when your heart's right, your wallet will follow. Generous giving, generous living will follow, but it all starts in the heart. You know what I love about Queen City Church? I love that there are people that are meeting Jesus every single weekend at Queen City Church. I told you earlier, You're in the middle of a miracle and what God is doing here is not normal. That's not normal for people to come to church and meet Jesus every weekend at a place. Y'all know that, right? Special. God's doing something special here. And as much as you might wanna step into God's blessing and his provision for your life, it all starts with your heart. And there's some of you here today that might have never taken that step and said yes to Jesus. I wanna give you a chance to take that step right now. There are others of you here today, you might've taken that step, but you've run far, far away from it. Jesus is not at the center of your life right now and you know it. James 4, 8 tells us to draw close to God and He'll draw close to us. I wanna give you a chance right now to take a step towards Jesus. He offers us this free gift called salvation and we step into that free gift that we could never earn and that we don't deserve. His grace covers a multitude of our sins of our failures, of our mistakes, of our imperfections. And I believe there are some in the house today, whether for the first time or whether you're that prodigal son and daughter coming back to Jesus today, you're ready to make your heart right with Jesus. It all starts with the heart. So here's what I want us to do. In just a moment, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. I want all of us to pray that prayer out loud together. Even those of us in the room that are already following Jesus, we're on that path. I want you to pray it as a confession of what you believe and know to be true and as a benefit to the people around you that might in fact be praying this prayer for the first time today are running back home to the arms of their savior. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? And would you repeat this prayer loudly after me? Say, Jesus, I love you. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for believing in me when I didn't believe in myself. I ask forgiveness for my sin. I ask forgiveness for my mistakes. Come into my life. Make me new, do what only you can do. I give you everything I have, I give you everything I am, I give you everything I hope to be, I give you all of me today. Now with all heads still bowed and all eyes still closed, listen, this might be the most important thing we do today because I wanna help you win your next battle against the enemy. Some of you just prayed that prayer for the first time. Some of you came back to Jesus today and the devil would like nothing better than to make you feel like you're alone and isolated. So here's what we're gonna do. In just a moment, I'm gonna count to three and you're gonna put the devil on blast that you are not doing this thing alone because you're gonna raise your hand after I count to three. I'm gonna see your hand. I'm gonna pray for you. And as a church family, we are gonna celebrate what God did in your life today. I promise you, if you will step out in this moment, God is going to step in and do everything he said he was gonna do on your behalf in this season. Come on, let's get those hands up on the count of one, two, three. Come on, that was you, just raise your hand. Hands in every section today, just keep them there. I wanna see you. God, thank you so much for your grace covering a multitude of our sins and our imperfections. Thank you that even though we are ordinary, even though we are flawed, even though we are imperfect, you have a plan for us. You called us and you set us apart. So thank you for the brothers and sisters that have prayed that prayer and have raised their hand high to heaven today, saying, that's me, a clean slate, a new beginning. I'm starting over, I'm beginning again. God, now we ask you to be true to your word. As they've taken a step and drawn close to you, may you draw close to them and may they never be the same again. We celebrate the life change that has happened in this place today. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for all those hands that went up, church. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed
1: your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you.
0: If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People.